Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's Friday, July 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. College conference realignment news happens even when teams don't move. That was the case this week. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey spoke confidently at his league's football media days. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips spoke wistfully at his. The Big 12 let it known it wasn't interested in a merger with the Pac-12, but may be in play for a future deal with NBC. On today's Sportsbeat KC, we cover it all with Callis Robinette. We also debate this question, is there room for empathy in the realignment wars? Big 12 followers didn't feel much of it last year when the league appeared vulnerable. Pac-12 followers don't seem to feel much of it this year. It was a fun discussion. After a break, we discuss Kansas State's latest hoop edition. Okay, let's get started. All right, Kellis, I thought what we would do is start with um, this week in realignment. And because the story changes every week. And, and, it does. Uh, but uh, it's, it is uh, the topic of conversation uh, uh, with, you know, with, with every, it has been since the, the UCLA and USC to the Big Ten. But what's different about this week is uh, conference uh, media days in places other than the Big 12 have started. So I was at SEC in Atlanta. ACC is going on right now in Charlotte. And next week, you're going to have the Big 10 and the Pac-12. So what this means is conference commissioners who really hold the power in college sports now uh, are at the mic and taking questions about it. So uh, I thought we'd kind of go over what we've heard this week and how that might you know, affect the, 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 the um, impact the future of college sports. Greg Sankey got it started uh, with, the AC, with the SEC by, you know, not, not just out and out boasting, but speaking very confidently about his conference and the position the SEC is in and, um, and, and who could blame him. But he basically said that, uh, you know, when it comes to future expansion beyond the 16, that is beyond when Texas and Oklahoma are joining the league, no, no sooner than 2025 or no later than 2025. He said the league needs to be thoughtful and be nimble. And then he scoffed at the notion that the Big Ten equaled the SEC's move when the Big Ten added those two California schools. Um, he said, no, look, we got Texas and Oklahoma. We got states that are contiguous. We've got you know, rivalry, rivalries being restored. I gotta think he's right about all that. Didn't the, didn't the SEC beat the Big Ten in this round of realignment? I think so. Um, and I don't know that there was a move out there that anybody could have made to uh, counter other than maybe Notre Dame and somebody else. But even that, I, I don't know that that would do it. But you're right. He really hit the nail on the head there when he said that, you know, we're <clears throat> our conferences, every state touches Everybody has a rival they can play and enjoy hating. Um, and I do have to give it to the SEC there. They found a way to not only grow and get more money, but um, stay somewhat regional. And uh, I think that's what's lost in all this conference realignment is you've got the Big Ten saying to heck with it. We're going to go coast to coast. Big 12, you know, saying we're going to go from Provo to Morgantown. Um, it's uh, unfortunate that we've we've gone national in some of these things, but the, the SEC has, uh, I guess, uh, to, to say a bad cliche, has found a way to uh, have their cake and eat it too. 
Right. It's really unfortunate for a lot of tennis teams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's it's very unfortunate for every team that doesn't play football that is currently in Los Angeles. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> goodness, can you imagine playing? Uh, I mean, think about it. A lot of those schools have some weird sports that, you know, I'm sure other Big Ten schools don't sponsor. Like, I mean, I can't imagine there are too many men's water polo teams in the Big Ten. What are they going to do? I know, right? And uh, and not many, and, and I don't believe USC and UCLA wrestle. So uh, it, it's it, it is going to be an interesting integration of those uh, of the LA schools into the Big Ten. But hey, you know we'll have uh, nine a.m. kickoff times on the West Coast for USC uh, Rutgers. So that'll that'll be good. Uh, um, she also. Uh, uh, you know, you know, bringing up the point about the rivalries, he's right about that. As you said, the, um, you know, Texas, Texas A&M will get restored. Uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, which uh, that little, that, uh, never really rivalry. What, what he did say was the, the, I'm sorry, Texas, Arkansas from the old Southwest Conference. And then he made it a point to say Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, having those two schools will have, you know, a, a quarter of the old Big Eight. And I thought, well, yeah, it's true. You will. But I don't remember the Sooners Tigers being a, you know, a, a real heated rivalry, even when they were in the old big eight. And it certainly wasn't in the big 12 when they didn't necessarily play every year. But um, uh, but, he, you know, he, he is right. They are restoring some rivalries. And now what the SEC is going to have to do is figure out how to their next question is how to schedule. They're going to go from eight to nine. Are they going to go in pods? How many? permanent uh, opponents are they going to have? Do they, do they stay in divisions? Uh, So those are some, those are the big, while everybody else is figuring out their membership and panicking, (laughs) uh, the SEC is worried about its schedule. So I'll tell you, that's one thing that I I've thought about in all this talk about the big 12, maybe expanding to 16 or more teams is um, it really does ruin scheduling. It makes it very complicated. Somebody asked me yesterday, like, what do I think is the perfect number for the Big 12? And I was like, well, shoot. I mean, it's I liked it at 10. Um, I, th- I think 12 is a pretty good number, too. Um, I mean, for for the sake of, you know, uh, stability and, and finances, everything, I can certainly see expanding to 16 or even more. But, but goodness, once you get to that point, it is difficult to even uh, schedule like you are a conference. Um, I mean, we see in the, in the SEC right now, how often does Florida play Texas A&M? Not very often, you know, right. how often does Missouri make it to, uh, I don't know, um, South Carolina for well, the, well, they're in that division, they're right? In the so, division, but okay. going to the West, I think they've played at LSU one time since they've been okay, there you go. and um, Alabama once Sankey made a point saying one thing that's going to happen, even with the expanded teams, is they're not going to have a situation where schools go 12 years between you know, visiting another campus, they're going to make sure that that rotation works out. And I'm absolutely with you in, in the future, Callis, maybe in a few years down the road, we'll do a podcast remembering how much we liked the old 10 team big 12 because of what it gave us and, you know, complete um, round Robin football and, and men's basketball scheduling, uh, women's basketball scheduling. I, I love that. Absolutely love it. And the big 12 try to, has tried to promote that over the years, right? The true champion idea because all their schools play each other and um, uh, and, and in basketball twice. That that has certainly in basketball over the last few years, that has served the Big 12 well with the um, 
you know, with, with the, the success the league has had in the postseason, I think some of it is has to do with they're they're playing high level pressure games. You know, in starting in late December, and uh, every you know every game you know with with Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech and Texas and you know up until a couple of years ago, K State. I mean, they're they're all they're all NCAA tournament type games. It's like, what seed are you playing this week? Oh, we got a two and a seven on our schedule. So right, right. And I've always, I mean, that's one thing I've loved about Big 12 basketball. The double round robins format, I've thought, is the, the fairest and best way to determine a regular season champion. It's kind of like a, a shotgun start, start in golf. Everybody's playing the same holes, just maybe in a different order. But it's, it's fun every weekend to look at and say, like, whoa, you know, um, TCU won, you know, pulled off the upset at Texas Tech, didn't see that coming. Um, it's, yeah, it's neat to see that stuff. And it's cool because, you know, like you said, there's not years where you're not playing people. You're getting everybody every single season of basketball twice. And um, it always uh, cracked me up when when Bruce Weber would talk about it. A lot of people took it as uh, an excuse, which probably it was. But he always said that, you know, he longed for the days when he was in the Big Ten because, yeah, sure, they had some, some power teams in there. But there were a lot of nights where he could go play Northwestern and um, Rutgers and whoever it may be. And there were easy nights. Um, and it's not like that in the Big 12. And it's a little less like that in football. There's not a whole lot of carnage, but it's still the same kind of deal, right? Everybody's playing everybody else. And, you know, by the end of the regular season, the two teams that are in Arlington um, deserve to be there. It's not like back in the back in the old north-south days where you'd always say, oh, well, this team didn't have to play so-and-so. So um, that that part of it is being lost in realignment. And I am a little sad about that. Yeah. Okay. That's another another uh, future show for our nostalgic look at the Big Twelve. Uh, we'll have to um, put that on the list as well. All right. So from SEC media days, the news shifted to the Big Twelve again. Only this time, not because of any 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 schools that they had acquired or lost, but uh, because of the, the the news that broke that um, that the Big Twelve was not interested in basically absorbing the Pac-12 or merging with the Pac-12. They didn't want a partnership with the entire conference. And two things about that. First, um, I didn't know it was happening. And I don't think anybody in much knew it was happening, but conversations had taken place over the weekend. It was Pete Dammel from ESPN, really solid college sports reporter over the years, used to be at the New York Times, um, he was the one who reported that there had been three conversations between the two leagues over the weekend. And the final one concluded with the Big 12 just saying, no, it's not going to work out. And um, and so I, I, we didn't know about it until the news broke. And that was on, on late, late Monday, maybe Monday evening, I guess, is when we started uh, we started hearing about that. And and so and then the other idea was that, you know, that. That, that leaves the Pac-12 in a pretty precarious situation, one we thought they were in all along, but now kind of solidifies it. So what, what did you make of the, of the news uh, that the Big 12 was kind of flexing its muscles a little bit and saying, no, we don't, we don't want a merger? Um, yeah, I, I thought a couple of things. My first reaction was um, I thought it was interesting that the Big 12, um, I assume, uh, acted, people in the Big 12 acted pretty quickly to make sure that that news leaked out um, and that they were turning down. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know that those talks were that serious. Um, I didn't know that they were even really 
thinking about teaming up with the Pac-12. I know for the past year, it's always kind of been bandied about, right? Hey, the, the Big 12 and Pac-12 would make good partners. There's some creative things they could do to make uh, you know each other stronger together than apart. It's one thing that last year when the, the roles were reversed and the Big 12 were get, was getting rated, we were talking about on this very show. Hey, wouldn't it be great if the Pac-12 would uh, you know throw the Big 12 a lifeline and schedule some crossover games or pull their meteorites? Um, and I do think there's some interesting things you could do there, but at the end of the day, I just don't know that conferences want to go that far. Um, it's just, a, you know, every time we see one conference rated, they, they don't turn around and look to handshake with somebody else. And the one time we did see it, any kind of attempt at it was with the alliance uh, last year between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC, and that blew up in everybody's face. So Yes, it did. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why they didn't do it, but. Um, that was my first reaction. My second reaction was that I think that this uh, opens the door probably even more so than previously to the Big 12 going in and trying to take the, the best schools in the Pac-12, or at least the schools they want, um, because that's that's one thing you noticed that they didn't say in any, any of those reports. It wasn't that um, we're not interested in the Pac-12, we're not interested in the teams, we just don't want to have a full-blown merger here. Um and it'll, it'll be interesting to see what both sides do now because um, I can see one argument where if the Pac-12 schools decide to stick together, they could rebuild like the Big 12 and be okay. I could see a scenario where um, some of those schools definitely uh, would be very interested in the Big 12, especially Arizona, Colorado, schools like that. So maybe the Big 12 can make a play. Um, I, I, I think it's all on the table. And uh, I'll be very, very interested to see what – um, the Pac-12 can, what kind of numbers they can get back from ESPN, Fox, their television partners that they're supposedly talking to right now because they're, so, they're negotiating with them right now, right? They're supposed to know by the end of the month um, basically how much money uh, they're going to get if they stick together from those conferences or if they stick together from those TV partners. And I think we'll figure out pretty quick if that number is good, then we'll probably see the Pac-12 figure out a way to uh, move forward as they are. But if it's bad, then I think we'll really see some interest between the Big 12 and them. Yeah, the the, the window, they're in a 30-day exclusive negotiating window with their media partners. And um, and, and we'll, we'll know at the end of that. Now, George Klyavkov, the, the commissioner, speaks to the media a week from t- uh, today on Friday, uh, July 29th. So maybe he'll have some information then. Um, that will be a very interesting day. So I can't imagine he wants to walk into that uh, that room without good news, without something to share. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, that's all eyes will be on. I don't know where it is. I think it's in L.A. I, I think the Pac-12, media, it's only a media day. All these other ones are media days. Pac-12 just says a media day. It's just one day. All the coaches are out there. Um, the, 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 let me say this first uh, while this idea is in my head. I was one of the people who was advocating a merger of the leagues a year ago because it looked like the, the Big 12 was in a, you know, a vulnerable position, right? Right after the, the Oklahoma-Texas announcement. And, uh, and, and I don't blame the, the Pac-12 and, and people who are becoming the voice in the media of the Pac-12, West Coast writers in particular, for suggesting the same thing. Um, I, I remember a year ago, we were hearing a lot of pushback from Pac-12 people saying the Big 12 doesn't bring enough value 
to the Pac-12, and it's not they're not academic fits, and there's just uh, there's no way to make it work. And I'm hearing the same arguments from you know Big 12 people toward the Pac-12, and I guess my my bottom line is if you know, if the SEC and the Big Ten eventually expand beyond their 16, and Sankey said he doesn't see that happening, um, and, uh, and and the Big Ten, I, I imagine we'll hear the same thing from Kevin Warren, their commissioner, next week, that 16 is where they want to be. They got the schools that they want. He'll be asked about Notre Dame, and he'll say all the right things. But, um, uh, but again, if, if the SEC decides it wants to add, you know, some schools from the ACC and the Big Ten wants to add Washington and Oregon and get up to, you know, 18 to 20, then, you know, then what's, what would be wrong with a 22-team Big 12, Pac-12 uh, merger? Well, one thing that would be wrong is there wouldn't be enough money for, you know, revenue for all the schools, right? They'd be getting less than what the big 12 schools are getting now and the big 12 not interested in that. So uh, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, at the end of these current TV deals, we're going to end up with four, four conferences. And, um, and if, if that's an expanded big 12, then and I think that's the more likely scenario, maybe a big 12 going to 16, uh, then you'd have the ACC, big 10 and SEC then, Maybe that's what it'll be, um, but I I do have so I really do have some uh, empathy for Pac-12 schools that may not end up in in what what it would end up being in the Power Four leagues, just as I did for the Big Twelve last year. See, I've I've kind of turned uh, Darth Vader on that topic. Um, I I really don't. That's because you're you're young and ideal. <laughs> Well, I've been on the other side of it for so long. I know uh, you're right. You have. Um, we have. Yes, yes, we have. And we've seen we've like like you've said so poetically. Um, we here in the Big Twelve are veterans of the conference realignment war is going all the way back to the Big Eight merging with the Southwest Conference. Um, I mean, it, it seems like every five years we hear about how Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. Um, these teams are going to be left out in the cold. They're, they're going to be in the Mountain West. I mean, I've, I've had to, um, you know, talk many, many a person off the cliff that Kansas State was not actually headed to the Mountain West or Conference USA or something like that. And all the while you got these, uh, you know, riders and people on the West Coast who seem to have no, no empathy for the situation. Oh, well, you know, the Big 12 was never a great conference anyway. They, they deserve what they get. Um, I actually kind of like it now that we can sit back and watch some other schools um, squirm and, uh, and fear for their lives. I mean, certainly I, I, I don't think anybody deserves to be, uh, kicked out of the, the big boy club. Um, I like it when it works the other way, when you see teams like TCU, BYU, Houston coming up, um, creating more opportunities for everybody. I'm more, um, for inclusion than exclusion. I certainly hope that, you know, the schools are talking about Washington state, Oregon State, find some place to go at the end of all this. But at the same time, um, you know, they, they've, they've been kicking back, not caring about the schools out here. So they can sign people out here to do the same thing and just say, uh, well, good luck. All right. You cold. <laughs> That's cool. I, I certainly understand that perspective. And you're, you're absolutely right. How many times have we, um, you know, gone into a day in the past decade or so, 12 years, I'll go back to the, um, 
you know, the, the 2010, 11, 12 realignment period, thinking there's, you know, what, what are the options for K-State, for Iowa State, for KU, for Oklahoma State? I can, you know, listen, I, they stretch from coast to coast, right? The Big East, could they take, you know, what's mm-hmm. left of the Big 12 is going to be the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, being in, in the middle of the country has not served the Big 12 well over the years when it comes to the realignment discussion. But you're right, for the first time, uh, the, the Big 12 is a little bit, uh, you can say they're on the offensive on the, with this. And a lot of it has to do with the move that uh, Bob Bowlesby made after, after losing Texas and Oklahoma last year, adding the four schools and, and, and regaining stability for the league. And it just it has put the Big 12, as we've said before, in a position of strength. Hey, I wanted to bring up one more thing before we leave the Big 12, and that is uh, this is um, part of the st- uh, story that Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports wrote earlier this week, and you alluded to in your your story this week about how the Big 12 can position itself even better, and that is NBC. All of a sudden, we're talking about a, a, a network that whose only involvement in college football has been Notre Dame, and uh, and will con- and, and likely will continue to be Notre Dame. But now uh, they're looking for could be looking for some more inventory with the network shuffling around a little bit and. All of a sudden, the Big 12 might be part of an NBC plan along with Notre Dame. And why don't you fill us in a little bit on how that might work and what that could mean? Yeah, so basically, uh, the, the thinking goes that if um, NBC is going to make Notre Dame happy as an independent, they're going to give them a, a massive TV contract um, that would make Se- 75 mil a year. Yeah, that would make them equals basically or superiors to what teams are getting in the Big Ten, SEC, they'd just be getting it all by themselves from NBC rather than a shared group. Um, but the thought is that if NBC is going to do that, um, while it may be worth it, they want more than six or seven Notre Dame home games a year to televise on the network. When you think about it, I mean, it, it really, that if they're going to be a player in college football, they need more than just Notre Dame. There's not much inventory there. You're talking about one game, you're talking about like seven games of coverage max for the whole year. And they're starting to put one of those games on Peacock every year to get people to go buy that thing. So really you're looking at five or six every year. That's not much. Even CBS with um, their, you know, they don't have a whole lot of football on, but they at least have the one big uh, SEC game every week. They do have some uh, inventory in the Mountain West and some smaller leagues and some things they can put on. But NBC's just sitting there you know, a game every other Saturday, how, uh, how good of an idea would it be for them to bring in the big 12, have some double headers when Notre Dame is playing at home, you could have a big 12, uh, lead into it, Texas tech TCU first, Notre Dame, whoever second on the days Notre Dame is playing on the road and NBC doesn't have the rights to those games, put the big 12 in that nice time slot. Um, I think that would be a great, a great thing if it could happen for the big 12, um, I, I know when Brett Yormack was, was brought in, his connections were both at more so at ESPN and Fox. The Fox CEO even had a, uh, released a nice statement about him when the Big 12 hired him. So I was kind of thinking that he would stick, stay in that lane and talk to those networks. But um, if NBC truly wants to televise, even if it's just one Big 12 game a week, I think that's, uh, that's a big boon for the Big 12 if, uh, if they're truly interested. Yeah, I really like that idea. I hadn't thought about it, and and uh, and then that popped up earlier this week. It uh, it seems like a, a notion with a lot of potential. You could even add them on to Fox and ESPN, or replace one of them. 
Um, there are a lot of possibilities there. Um, I mean, I suppose even if NBC came in and said, we want to be all in with the Big 12, you could move everything over there. Big 12 now could go from ESPN Plus to Peacock. Um, I don't know that that'll happen. I think it's more likely that you'll see multiple TV partners, but there are a lot of options there. And I will say that having having somebody like NBC in the bidding process is good. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I wonder if that, uh, if, if, if a network would advise the Big 12 to expand, um, mm-hmm. to, to add the Arizona schools, um, Utah, Colorado, maybe Washington and Oregon, I wonder if that's, uh, they'd be interested in that kind of inventory. Uh, I think they definitely would because, I mean, so far pretty much we've got, you might as well say that the SEC is ESPN's conference, Big Ten is Fox's conference. Why not the Big 12 be NBC's conference, right? Uh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> No, I mean, hey, if, if there's anything that's gonna that's gonna you know push some of those teams uh, west to the east toward the Big Twelve, I, I think a, a serious commitment from a, a network like that would be a big factor. The network of the Olympics—that'd be pretty cool if it happened. So, all right, we, we've rambled on a long time without taking a break. Let's take a quick one here, and when we come back, there's a little bit of Kansas State news we need to catch up on. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Okay, we're back with Kevin Robinette on Sportsbeat KC. We just spent a good chunk of time talking about realignment and all the developments this week, but there are also developments at Kansas State, the program Kellis covers. And it looks like Day Day is going to play play for Kansas <laughs> State. Darren Day Day Ames, um, uh, it becomes a commitment uh, for Jerome Tang's basketball program. And uh, the Wildcats got a good one. Class, first commitment for the class of 2023. And what do we know about Day Day Ames? Well, I know Kansas State really wanted him. And um, they, they went out and got him. So if you're going to kick off the 2023 class uh, with a good recruit, this seems like a, a nice way to start it. Uh, Rivals ranks him as the 46th best player in his recruiting class, number 13 at his position, number one in the state of Illinois. Um, and if you go strictly on that, I know they've had some four-star, four-star players over the years. Recently, Xavier Sneed, Dean Wade, um, Nigel Pack, before he left for Miami and all that money. Um, but if you go strictly by rankings, I believe this is the first top 50 rivals player they've had 
going all the way back to uh, Wally Judge when Frank Martin was here. And he was actually, he's the last five-star guy they brought in. He was top 25. Um, so uh, Ames isn't quite on that level, but he's close. And obviously, if you're getting the top 50 guy um, to uh, leave the state of Illinois and come play at Kansas State, had offers from all over the Midwest, um, a heck of a uh, addition for, for Jerome Tang. And uh, really the first big high school addition he's got since he's uh, arrived at Kansas State. So it kind of shows that throughout his time recruiting the 2022 class, he's been more or less scrambling to fill out his roster. You can tell that now that he's got a little bit of time to build relationships with some guys, um, this is at least uh, what's what's capable or what he's capable of. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sorry, what's his size? What Six? Six foot zero, 160 pounds. He's a little okay. bit smaller guard. Um, but he's got a good shot slasher um, from all the highlights I've seen. He's got a heck of a finish reminds me a little bit of Barry, Barry Brown was when he uh, kind of mastered his handles as a senior when plays would break down, he'd go to the basket, fake one way, finish with the other um, very good around the basket. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he can pass too. just a, on a lot of highlights. You don't want to, you don't, I mean, you, <laughs> who, who puts their passes, their passes on their highlights, right? <laughs> But he is a point guard, so he'll. I'm sure he can run the whole offense. Um, but it, it's pretty exciting to look at look at what he's done. Well, unless they're Pete Maravich or Ernie DiGregorio or somebody like that, uh, passes don't make. You're right, passes don't make highlight reels. But um, John Stockton, yeah, John Stockton for sure. Um, now, unless or Magic, you know, back in the day, unless I was looking uh, at the highlights through a mirror, um, he's left-handed, which is. Um, you know, that's an interesting it left is his dominant hand. I, was, I saw him go to the basket both ways, but I saw him shoot jumpers lefty. So mm -hmm. that's that's an interesting twist as well, being a left handed uh, left handed player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but it can uh, it, it's got to be a little bit different for defenders who are used to guarding point guards who want to go the other way and shoot the other way. Um yeah, I mean, I, I just think he's got a lot of potential here. I'm just looking at his, at his offer sheet. Um, I mean, how often in the past has Kansas State beat out? So here's his full offer sheet here. Illinois, LSU, Marquette, Maryland, Michigan State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. I think Arizona State was in on him too. Um, dude had a lot of options. So to bring in a, bring in a player like that this early in the process um, shows the kind of relationship Jerome Tang built with them. It uh, gives them a nice foundation moving forward, um, especially because 2023 is a big class for them because they're not going to have a full full 22 group. They've got 11 players right now. Maybe they add one more. I very much doubt they get to 13. So they're going to have extra scholarships to, to burn. And they've got a few one-and-done guys as transfers this season. So they, they want to load up. They want 2023 to be a big-time class, and this is a good way to start it. Okay, final four for the Wildcats in 2023. You heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about let's say not last in the Big 12 first. <laughs> okay, let's start there. <laughs> Callis, great catching up um, this week in realignment. Might end up being a weekly feature for a while. We'll see. Yes. It, uh, the news never stops when it comes to uh, college sports realignment. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Anytime, Barry. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. And a salute to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. 
Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition, the best sports page in America. There, I said it. Find out what I'm talking about by going to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more episodes of Sports Beat KC.